0: Reported live on March the 30th, 2017 from Coolidge, Arizona. Thank all of you for tuning in tonight. And we have um, some outstanding folks here in the classroom. By the time we're done, they will probably wish
1: they hadn't have come. We are in Chapter 19 of the Book of Revelation.
0: And um, we'll look at verses 1 through 7 tonight, if you have notes.
1: If you're with us, you're learning to look for prophetic fulfillment in the eternal or the spiritual realm
0: instead of the temporal and materialistic realm that's the heart of the literal method we're not looking at the fulfillment of prophecy from that perspective but from the eternal or from the uh the prophetic realm but from the from the uh, spiritual and the and the eternal realm and so we're looking at these as symbols not literal The futurists have to look at it literally, but that's the materialistic realm. And we need to break away from our materialism and get back to what is revealed by God in these passages about what has really happened in in bringing to summation God's dream for humanity. In the preceding chapters, in verse 1, he says, after these things, in the preceding chapters, John has viewed in vision uh, the uh, foretold destruction of Jerusalem. We've been through that. Now he sees a victory celebration over that uh, over that destruction. <clears throat> and each of those each of these four elements here in this chapter. Uh, there is the hallelujah, praise the Lord. In verse 1, 3, 4, and 6, that celebration language is over the destruction as these folks have seen it as being fulfilled through in their time frame, but to us, prophetically, prior to it happening, they weren't quite into it yet, but they were very briefly. And so, hope that's clear. In verse 1 of chapter 19, we're we're going to see what brought true rejoicing to these folks that are participating in this story of Revelation chapter 1 and verse 1 through 3. These people, There is a real reason for rejoicing. We need to be a participant in that rejoicing. Verse 1, after these things, that is, after after what he's been foretelling about the destruction of Jerusalem, now Jerusalem has been destroyed, Babylon has fallen, Sodom has gone down, all representative of Jerusalem, I heard something like a loud voice, of a great multitude so here you have a great multitude going together with a sound that sounds like it's just one voice now that's when a choir is at its most excellent point is where they're singing a chord and you can't tell that there are different levels of that of the the, uh, notes being sung it just sounds like one sound full Full bore sound. Is that why people is singular? Yes. The the voice is singular, but the multitude of course is it says people and singular there. Oh well it, it would be the same thing. So it's still singular. Mm-hmm. So But it's
1: it, that that
0: oneness. It's the oneness. So there therefore see the voice is singular mm-hmm. up there. Um uh, <clears throat> And they had a great voice, and uh, so it was as as if it were one, one voice. They were all in harmony, in unison. My, what a beautiful thing it is when many, many different voices sound so close together and have such beautiful harmony that it sounds as if they were one. That's what we call the big sound. And it was the sound of a great earthquake in heaven. So there's the
1: location. Saying hallelujah. What does hallelujah mean? It
0: means praise Jehovah. Praise God. Praise God. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. So here we have the um, uh, the mighty chorus of praise. The hallelujah raised attributes to God, salvation, glory, honor, power in the overthrow of Jerusalem. Those are the attributes of God that are being sung to praise God. His his salvation, his glory, his honor, his power.
1: Hallelujah. And they all belong to our God. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more
0: down in verse 5. So remember that we're going to talk about our God in in just a little bit, but I don't want to be um, redundant here. So that that phrase, hallelujah, takes place in verse 1 and verse 3. Again, the second time they said hallelujah, and then in verse 4, and again they said amen, hallelujah, so be it. And then again in verse 6, the fourth time, they were saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. So four sections of, of hallelujah. Now, what is it that brought this true kind of true rejoicing? One is found in verse 2. It's because of what God has done. What is it that God has done? Yes. Them. He has avenged them. That's right. That's exactly what it says in verse 2, because his judgments are true and righteous. How do we know that? Because he has judged the one who did wrong. Didn't coddle her. He has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her her immorality, and he has avenged, as Nolan says, he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her.
1: So the word judge there means to, to make a clear distinction that is final.
0: There are several words that are translated judge. This is the one that makes to uh, that means to make a final distinction. This is it. It's time to it's time to cut off the negotiating. No more negotiating. It's all over. And so God is being praised because of what he has done in verse 2. Now, the courts and the tribunals of the Jews were corrupted by the fornications of the great whore, which is Jerusalem. Truth was fallen in the streets. And how do we know that? Because of how they treated each other. They treated each other in the same way that a lot of churches treat each other today. Well, of course, you don't buy that. But let's go to Jeremiah. I'm just going to give you a short sample. I've got lots of verses there. You can read them if you choose. But I'm, I'm going to pick on just I, uh, Jeremiah and chapter uh, 7. And I'm going to begin with verse 1. Uh, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. He says, Jeremiah, in verse 2, stand in the gate of the Lord's house. Here's what you tell these people. Now, who's going to be speaking God's message? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. He's being told what to say. Now, that ought to be true of all of us who teach the God, God's word, is we are simply the spokesman for what it is God has said. So we have, we have a responsibility of getting it right. The Hebrew
1: says that
0: too. To put it in his own words, and not to offend anybody, right? And, and yeah, and and make sure that you don't hurt anybody's feelings or be offensive. And oh, Jeremiah didn't either. Well, <laughs> we should we should spend a lot of time in there, Jeremiah. But no, he he did he did just what God wanted him to do. And he says later in that verse, "Hear the word of the Lord, all you of Judah who enter my oh enter by these gates." So he's talking about God's people, God's covenant people, in the first destruction of Jerusalem, um, you know, um, in the 600 B.C. period. But notice the language is so much like it is here of Jerusalem as well. Thus says the Lord of hosts in verse 3, the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your deeds, And I will let you dwell in this place. Get your life right. Get your life put together. And now, then I will let you dwell in this place. See, your relationship with God, just as it is today, is always in a place. That's why he gave us Christ. His body is the church. It's a place. We must be in that place to be in a relationship with him. And that place is where God dwells. That's God's habitat. That's Ephesians 1, 22, and 23. And that's according to your own deeds. That's, yeah. That's what well, you have to amend your ways in order to be in that. You have to amend your ways to be in, that's right, and your deeds uh, in order to remain in that place. Do not, do not trust in deceptive words saying this is the temple of the Lord. I mean, the, and just because we're there, the temple's going to do something for us. That's the idea. A lot of folks are pew-sitters. They think that just going into a building makes them all sanctified to God. We need to... three times here. What? Repeating himself. The repetition shows that the action has become repetitive to the people. Yes, right. Oh, yes, this is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. This is the temple of the Lord. I'm here. But he said, I'll let you dwell here, providing you mend your ways. And if you, and then in verse 5, he gets down to a little more succinctly. If you truly amend your ways and your deeds, if you truly practice justice between a man and his neighbor, what does that immediately re- remind you of? The two laws. Because everything related to people is contained in those two laws together. And so to practice justice is that each one has a responsibility of living within the confinements of those two laws. What's the first law? You do all that you agree to do, and secondly, you do not infringe nor impose yourself upon another person nor their property. <clears throat> now he goes on to say, so you do not therefore oppress the alien the orphan, or the widow. You do not shed innocent blood. See, all of those come under one of those two laws. You do not shed innocent blood in this place, nor walk after other gods to your own ruin. False religion, people are a part of it to their own ruin, and it's hard to wake them up. Well, I'm so sincere. Just as Paul was when he was killing Christians. He said, I'm doing all this in good conscience. Don't get in my way. Then, verse 7, I will let you dwell in this place in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, you are trusting in deceptive words to no avail. And then he comes back to the laws again in verse 9. First of all, you're trusting in deceptive words. I hear so many things today. Church and non-church folks that give you, you know, you just just know that they're so caught up in things that are said by people who are in a state of
1: of delusion. God's in control. And I've mentioned that thing Sunday morning. I, I don't hear that every week, but almost every week. You
0: know, God's in control. Well, yeah. if he is, we need some three year old kids to come in and take
1: charge. God will control when Abraham held the knife over Isaac yeah you know and and that
0: that ought to hit people like a board to the face, David because then he knew what kind of man Abraham was I mean he didn't want, he didn't know before he was God. Oh no, I didn't know before, otherwise, it was the ci It takes all the meaning out of it, but it empowers us yeah so greatly. we're calling our own shots, truly. How could you not want that? I mean right or wrong, right You're right, but wrong, yeah, I mean you you're stating what's right, but the issue dealt with is 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 wrong. So, you are trusting in deceptive words to no avail. Make sure that you're not parroting phrases that have no substance. And I do it. You know, we were brought up with language, certain, certain kinds of language. Well, just pray about it. And it, that really burns my heart. <laughs> That's a hobby horse. I never noticed. You never noticed. <laughs> you never caught on. See, but but people just parrot things over and over and over and over again. They have no idea what it is they're saying, and so they're being deceived. They're in a state of delusionment. Delusionment. So that's what, that's what Jeremiah. That's what's being told to Jeremiah here. And that's what that's what he's trying to shatter. Jeremiah by the word of the Lord is trying to penetrate that kind of thinking. <clears throat> so we go on. Will you still, verse 9, will you still murder and commit adultery and swear falsely and offer sacrifices to Baal and walk after other gods that you have not known? So now he increases a vertical relationship. Then come and stand before me in this house which is called by name me Come, uh, which is called by my name and say, we are delivered that you may do all these abominations. You do all of those things and then come in to God's presence and feel like because you're in what is called by his name, you are delivered from all the abominations of your life? Folks, we better get some things straight. Has this, house which is called by my name representing who I am my character become a den of robbers Jesus made the same state you have made my place a den of robbers in Matthew I don't know that I think it's in Matthew 21 but now verse 12 But go now to my place which is in Shiloh where I made my name dwell at the first and see what I did to it. Now there's history. Go back and see what's happened in the past because of the wickedness of my people Israel. Now you go back to the Judges for that, Judges chapter 18, and you can study that. But now because you have done all these things, declares the Lord, and I spoke to you, rising up early and speaking, but you did not hear, and I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, in verse 14, I will do to the house which is called by my name and which you trust, and to the place which I gave you and your fathers as I did to Shiloh. These folks don't learn. I will cast Verse 15, I will cast you out of my sight as I have cast out all your brothers and all the offspring of Ephraim. As for you, as for
1: you, as for you, Do not pray for this people. Don't bring them into the throne room of God. And do not lift up cry or prayer for them, and
0: do not intercede with me, for I do not hear you. Do you not see what they are doing in the cities of Judah and in the streets
1: of Jerusalem? Look at the children. And then verse 19.
0: Do they, dis- do they spite me, declares the Lord? Is it not themselves they spite to their own shame? Therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, my anger and my wrath will be poured out on this place, on man and on beast and on the trees of the field and on the fruit of the ground, and it will burn and not be quenched. And that is a summary of the book of Revelation to the Jerusalem that's
1: was standing then and when it fell in verse 1 when it fell the people lifted
0: up their voice together a great multitude in heaven from a heavenly perspective the people were rejoicing and they were
1: saying, Hallelujah! Praise to God. And I might take one more thing here. In Matthew 24 and verse 34, we have to ask
0: ourselves the question then, in, in agreement to this passage, verses 1 and 2, where we are. Do we really stand with Christ on this passage of Matthew 24, heaven and earth, uh, verse 34? Uh, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass, pass away until all these things take place. Do we stand with him on that? Folks, if we don't, we are materialist. People talk about spiritualism and, and materialism, but the materialist is the one who says, no, all prophecy has not yet been fulfilled. That's materialism. That's the heart of all materialism. It isn't money. It's how you stand or don't stand with Christ. And my, my appeal tonight is stand with him on verse 34. This, um, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. We stand with
1: him on that verse. And folks, there's no wiggle room. All right, in verse 2,
0: what brought true rejoicing is because of what God had done.
1: His judgments are true and righteous. He has, he has judged the great harlot.
0: He has avenged the blood of his bond servants on her. That's what he has done. So that's the cause of rejoicing. We have to stand with him on that and we ought to be there rejoicing that Jerusalem has fallen. Verse 3, And a second time they said, Hallelujah! And her smoke rises up forever and ever. That day was to be proceeded. By a spiritual Elijah, Matthew or Malachi chapter 4 talks about that great day of the Lord. Elijah would precede it. Matthew 3 says, this John the Baptist, is that Elijah? If you've got what it takes to get it, that's what he said in my fair phrase. See, it was, to precede, it was uh, preceded by a spiritual Elijah that smokes, in verse 3, the smoke's perpetual
1: ascent is a figure for Biblical Jerusalem's perpetual destruction. I want you to think about that. Pause about that. Her smoke rises up for how long? Ages after ages after ages. Not sure how to interpret that. I think that's a long time. But our smoke rises up as long as
0: that that loss, that uh, uh, destruction is real and it's the real part of that destruction is forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. As long as there's smoke, it continues up forever and ever. Why? Because it's representing the perpetual
1: destruction of Jerusalem. So that brings us into verse 4. And then the 24-rounders.
0: Not only do we rejoice, these folks, these heaven rejoicing because of what it is God has done in verse 2, but because the enemy has fallen in verse 3, the enemy of God's people. And the fall is forever, is perpetual. And then number three, in verse four, because of those you can unite with if you're in agreement with that praise and hallelujah chorus. Notice the 24 elders and the four living creatures, they fell down and they worship God who sits on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. That's the third time Hallelujah is used, and now it's used by whom uh, twenty four elders and the four
1: living creatures yeah, we've read about them in chapter four, chapter five, and chapter eleven so Even the esteemed were praising him,
0: even the esteemed in God's heaven in the courtroom of heaven, not just the inhabitants in verse 1, the great multitude in heaven, but now even those who are the unique creatures who serve God with an immediacy, a closeness with God, the four twenty-four elders, and we, we've discussed the possibilities of that earlier, and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne, and they're saying to, Amen, hallelujah. Now, here we are today. We have folks today, and if you ever listen to TBN, and I certainly don't suggest it, but we have folks today who are holding on to a belief still, still holding on to a belief that includes physical and materialistic Jerusalem. After all of this there are still every church in this town. The Mormons believe in the restoration of physical Jerusalem. They have their site located there to build the temple for God. That's what's wrong with Mormonism. It isn't a lot of the other things they do that are good. And it isn't even the Book of Mormon. But it's the fact that they believe what God has destroyed, they can revive and make something new come out of it. They are they are undermining all of the praise that took place in heaven upon the fall of Jerusalem, and that that fall would be a perpetual destruction, never to be rebuilt. And so every Baptist, every Methodist, every Presbyterian—almost well, there are a few exceptions of the Presbyterian—but nearly every every sectarian church in the world today looks forward to the rebuilding of a physical, materialistic
1: temple in Jerusalem. So why are we holding on to a belief? I don't mean we are, we're not. But why are so many
0: holding on to a belief that includes the physical Jerusalem when all of this Praise and glory is because it's been perpetually destroyed, never to rise again. It is over. It is done. Never mind the fact that even if there was a structure there, his presence is not there. That's right. And Alex says that even if there was a structure rebuilt, God's presence would not be there and it would not be heaven to anybody
1: Good point. So, so far, what brought true what brought true rejoicing?
0: Not who won an election for presidency, but what God has done in bringing about his judgment upon the enemy of Christ and his church. Secondly, because the enemy had fallen in verse 3, and that the fall was perpetual, and the smoke of her fall rises up forever and ever. And then in number three, in verse four, because of those who are united with the other ones who are praising, that's the 24 elders and the four living creatures, all in unison saying amen,
1: hallelujah. And then in verse 5, And a voice came out of the throne. From, out of, in
0: this case, it's not ek.
1: But a voice came from the
0: throne or out of the throne. The source was the throne. The voice came from the, and a voice came from the throne saying, "Give praise to our God. All you his bondservants, ye who fear him, the small and the great. Now, who who are they being grouped with? Those in verse 1 who represent this great multitude in heaven?" Those who represent the, uh, in, in verse 3, the fallen, those who are rejoicing over the fallen en- enemy, uh, those who represent the 24 elders and the four living creatures, you are now uniting with all of, that, all of those folks if you will join in agreement with why they are praising and saying hallelujah, praise God, amen. You have to have the same feeling about the fall of Jerusalem
1: as what they had, or you cannot be a participant. So I I, hear a voice from heaven saying,
0: Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. So now here we have those as a source of rejoicing because they're in agreement with what's going on in heaven, and with the 24 elders. They are in agreement with their view of heaven about
1: the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. Now, this could very likely be the voice of Christ. If so, it is identifying him with man. And
0: if you remember, he styled himself the son of man in the New Testament. His humanity was complete. He took on him the form of a servant. And we'll read a couple of verses here in just a moment. But notice one thing here before we do that. It is to praise God. It is not to praise God. When I say to praise God, I'm missing out a key word. What is it? Our God. <clears throat> now let's go let's go first of all, just a couple of here in Matthew eight. Matthew chapter eight. In verse 20, Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. The same thing is found in, well, let's go to chapter 9. It's close. In verse 6, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. That's just not, those are the two extreme verses and both of them are identifying him as the son of man the son of god when that phrase is used is talking about his origin here is talking about when he was here as one of us go with me to philippians chapter 2 this is this is redundant to a lot of you folks but in case somebody's listening uh, philippians chapter 2 Verse, uh, let's, let's begin with verse um, 6, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be held on to, but he emptied himself of what? The thing that would associate him with equality of God. Emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of God. No. Oh, we got some opposition. I like that. Being made in the likeness of, man. in order to be made in the likeness of men, what did he had to get rid of in verse seven, or verse uh, verse six? God. His having been in equality with God had to be put aside. We're not saying that he wasn't equal with God prior to his coming, because that's not the issue. The issue is, who was he when he was here, and while he was here? He was as one of us. He put that identity with God aside, became as one of us. And so he is telling here, the voice from heaven or from the throne saying, give praise to our God. Our God. His humanity was complete. He took on him the form of a servant. It was not praise God, but praise our God. Uniting us with him. His bond service with him in the praise of God because of the fall of um, Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. Let's go to the Gospel of John. And that also just that praise our God affirms that study we had about Jesus had a God, was a God. Oh, I like that. <laughs> so that that's a great reminder. That that chart uh, that we, we we made it up somewhere along the way. Uh, that is that Jesus had a God, and this is another confirmation of that. This is he 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 looked upon the Father as our God with us associated with him together as a team. We are brethren. Other verses teach that
1: in in John chapter twenty. <clears throat> I do. I'll get there in a minute.
0: I'm going to confirm what uh, Greg just said first. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. And the, the important thing to remember here, we spent quite a bit of time on that when we were in the book of Luke. But Jesus is, uh, Jesus is dealing with Mary here. It's not me what this is all about, it's my mission. It's my mission. That's what you need to know about. That's what the world needs to know about is my mission. It's not me. Quit clinging to me. For I have not yet ascended to my Father. That's a part of my mission. But I go to my brethren. But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascended to my Father and your Father and my God and your God. There again, Greg, the same thing. He is uh, is making a testament here that his father is his father, his God, his God. We need to realize that Jesus had a God as well, that he was not God incomplete as himself while he was here. He had a God as well as a father. So that verse reemphasizes what... um, what he said let's go to john chapter one and verses um, 12 and 13 but as many as received him to him he gave the right to become they did not become children of god but they had the privilege the right to become children of god even to those who believe in his name who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of god It must come from God, it must come from God, or there can be no birth. His word is what begets us into a new relationship with him. All right, we have to move on. So there is the source of agreement between the voice that came out of the throne and his bond servants, all in agreement with the voice and the loud voice of the great multitude in verse 1. And of the 24 elders and the four living creatures, they're all in harmony, all a source of agreement. We need to step into an agreement with that. How do we stand with Christ? That's the proof of the pudding. Verse uh, verse uh, 6 <clears throat> Then I heard someone say, like the voice, something like the voice of a great multitude, and like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of many peals of thunder, saying, "Hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns and so one more thing is that here we have a a multitude of a great uh, uh, the the voice of a great multitude together. This may be a summary of all that has gone on before, but it's like the sound of many waters, like the sound of peals of thunder, like the voice of a great multitude. But it was a a sound that was praising God, saying, hallelujah, for the Lord reigns. That's the bottom line. The Lord reigns. That means he has
1: exercised as king His authority and reigns. My,
0: what a reason for true rejoicing. One more in verse 7. I think we're going to... Huh? We'll make it. it. Verse 7. Now, therefore, after all of this, after he's identifying all of these people who are in harmony in praising God because of the fall of Jerusalem. And then we've got folks that come on TBN and say, oh folks, we've got to rebuild Jerusalem. But he says in verse 7, let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come. Now there is the sixth thing that brings about true rejoicing, and that is when the bride and the groom, and the bride and the groom are permanently united. The marriage has taken place. Now, prior, I have some notes over here. Prior to the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of the Mosaic age,
1: the church is represented as being engaged to Christ. And, you know, the, the, there's a little bit of a problem there, I'll tell you, that
0: the word that's translated "espoused" means that there has been a
1: permanent arrangement agreed to, but not consummated.
0: See the difference? It's not the word marriage. There is a word for marriage. That means it's been consummated. So here she's just ready. Here she's ready. So she is. She is. I, I don't really want to say. I say here merely espoused, but I really don't want to say merely a spouse. I mean, this was a permanent arrangement in that culture. It just had not been consummated, and marriage here is the consummation. And it's the consummation of the ages prophesied by Daniel. I think it's in chapter 9. Where he talks about the consummation of the ages. What brought all of the ages together? What brought it all together? What brought it all together and finalized was the consummation between Christ and and his church that took place upon the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction
1: of the temple. Father, we are thankful tonight
0: that we can participate in the joy of all of these all of these people all of these spirits all of these souls in the presence of God, the 24 elders and the four living creatures and all of those who are bondservants to Christ, that we can participate in their joy, that Christ and his church, that their relationship has been consummated and the law is forever gone. We rejoice in that today. And Father, may our lives be a portrayal